Hi, welcome to the Rainbow Podcast. I'm your host, Tanya Papaniklov. Rainbow and I are on a mission to upgrade humanity with fungi and expand the collective conscious. This podcast builds a virtual mycelial network of bold, open-minded thinkers and seekers. I chat with experts, thought leaders, healers, scientists, entrepreneurs, spiritual teachers, activists, and dreamers. These are stories of healing, human potential, and expansion. Tune in, root in, expand, and journey with us. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I'm joined by Sheetal Rajan, who is a international transformation coach, sacred geometry philosopher, and an ascension coach. And she works all over the world, hosts retreats, has a one-on-one client practice, of which I'm so lucky to have access to Sheetal and have worked with her for just about a year now. And so along with being a certified quantum healer and a theta practitioner, she's also a Reiki master and just has this captivating, amazing personality. And she does research into sacred geometry and its connection to human consciousness and helps activate seekers in raising their vibration and unlocking abundance in their lives. And for well over a decade, she's traveled both physically and intellectually, expanding her knowledge into areas of quantum science, metaphysics, energy healing, manifestation laws, mindfulness, breath work. And this all started in Nepal, in the mountains of Nepal, many, many years ago when very unexpectedly she had an out-of-body experience and found herself aligning with the universal energy matrix and downloading wisdom of sacred geometry before she was in this field, before she knew what that was. She didn't even know there was a name for it. And that's really what brought her into this field of work. So it was kind of like a altered state that she went into. And I find this so fascinating. She does a lot of really incredible work as a coach, and she guides clients to heal themselves from psychological blocks, illnesses, chronic conditions, and really to help evolve their consciousness. So in today's conversation, I feel like we went into a little bit of a portal. I mean, we went into a lot of different places and we covered some really good ground. She tells us a bit about her journey and what sacred geometry is. We talk about how we met. And we talk about why a lot of her work, where she starts with clients, is really healing that inner child and working with the feelings and healing feelings of guilt and shame and really empowering her clients to heal themselves through the power of themselves. And so we get into that. We go into all sorts of really cool kind of areas of consciousness and the nature of reality. And I'll let you listen to this conversation on your own and take what you will from it. If you love this podcast, I would so very much appreciate if you rated us, gave us five stars and a comment on Spotify or Apple that is truly so appreciated and goes a long way. Let's dive into the episode with Sheetal. Hello, Sheetal. Namaste, namaste, beautiful soul. Namaste, namaste. This is a a true delight to sit with you today in a new new kind of format. 
So thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I just, you and me have always had fun having conversations. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. And, and I think this is, this is beautiful. Thank you. Yes. Well, I like to start the episodes with just grounding into what are you grateful for today? Mm, I am truly very grateful for trees. I've just mm. come back from a sort of tiny bit of a tour of uh, Lebanon and the uh, Himalayas in India. So two countries, two mountains. And I've just been overloaded with these gorgeous trees. And it never gets old. You mm. step in front of a tree and it's, it's such mm. a large life feeling and, and, and humbling. Humbling yet somehow you feel like you belong. It's I'm 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 unsure of the feeling, but I'm so feeling very grateful for trees. Absolutely, mm, that brings me to uh, my Mother Earth meditation. <laughs> like that's that that Mother Tree. I really, when you were you know describing that, that's what that's what I I came up with. The Mother Earth meditation is um, quite a. It, it is a fairly common meditation, but I noticed that as the years. Uh, developed and I would take my clients through sort of each layer of their being right so the mother earth meditation is essentially the third step in the program that clients do with me and in that mother earth meditation initially I would tell them just go into your mind and find mother earth and it was never planned to arrive at a particular place see a particular thing and do certain steps to get into the meditation you won't believe it over I'm I'm now at something like 550 clients, yes, mm. uh, private coaching, the uh, in workshops as well, in fact, and invariably everybody would see a tree. Mm, wow! They would I would say you come upon a clearing. What do you see in the clearing? And they say there's a huge tree in the clearing, wow. and that tree just is is this massive tree. And then I said I should I should include that within you know mm-hmm. because most seeing it anyway this must be a universal feeling so yeah yeah mother earth meditation with the big tree of life absolutely yeah it's a sight a beautiful sight okay well thank you for sharing that for me what I'm grateful for today is you know I think it's just my immune system and just thinking about I was chatting with somebody today who was like, oh, like I hate being sick. It's the worst and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? I think every time we get upgraded a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and the viral intelligence, the bacterial intelligence, the fungal intelligence, there's something that happens because we've co-evolved together and it makes us stronger. Yep, absolutely. Being grateful for your immunity. I just had a conversation with a client yesterday about how we're usually lost in the aesthetics of shape, size, and color of our body. I mean, that's what media has done to us, or or that's how we've been brought up, right? The fair-skinned person wants a tan, and the dark-skinned person wants to become fair. That's literally, literally the uh, <laughs> amazing, uh, you know, amazing. It, it's it's such a juxtaposition of humanity, mm-hmm. of each person wanting to be the other. And I was talking about how we're so lost in the aesthetics. We're so lost in the shape and the size and the color. When was the last time you were grateful for your kidney, for just functioning properly? 
every day, day in, day out, without asking you anything, without questioning yeah. anything, it just functions. When was the last time you said, oh, I have a really pretty kidney? You know? <laughs> should be more, should be more. Yeah. yeah, should be more. And similarly, immunity as well. I mean, illnesses come and go and look at us thriving. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, isn't it? It's that age old saying, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Mm-hmm. And and I'm I'm I have been making conscious effort myself as well as with my clients to break free of that waiting till it's gone, mm-hmm. but already be grateful for it so it never goes away. Yeah, yeah, you know. And I think that's that's very important. Such a it's such a practice. It's such a practice. Every day as a human is a big old practice. <laughs> Every day as a human. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you you touched on the Himalayas. First of all, I want to say that it's about the full moon is about to like be passing into its full moon momentarily. So that's pretty, pretty cool. I think it's at, um, let me just double check, 934. So in 19 minutes. So anyways. To anyone listening to this across timelines and lifelines, under this full moon, Tanya and me manifest that all your wishes and manifestations are realized for your highest and best. And so it is. And so it is. Mm-hmm. We'll do one. We'll do one when the moon comes out. Thank you. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah, we will. I love that. So I uh, I want to go to the Himalayas with you. I want you to take us there. I want you to tell us about what you saw and what you learned, and I know that you describe it as uh, as natural as breathing, yet as overwhelming as an avalanche. But before yes, we go sir. there, I, I just want to just introduce the audience to you in general. You are my coach. You are an incredibly gifted human being, a transformation coach. Actually, I just the card I pulled before this this recording with you was transformation. You are a vessel of sacred geometry embodied and you do so much. So how would you, yeah, how would you describe yourself these days? Oh, that's, that's, you know, that's actually an interesting thing that you, you, this, this question should come up now, although, although it is expected as part of the introductions. When I first started all of this work in 2006, 2007, it's been about 17 years Jesus, <laughs> right? So about 17 <laughs> years of doing this work. And initially when I started, there was this idea that I wanted to save everybody. Yes. Mm. So it has a lot to do with the traumas that I myself experienced. So when you yourself are not saved by someone, you want to become the savior. Yes. So textbook savior complex. And then, you know, we enter the, you know, 2010s and I begin to realize, all right, so that's not how it works. You don't save people. You know, they save themselves. Yeah. And uh, from that point, it became about gathering data. So I'm constantly in this journey of combining science and spirituality. So if there is a spiritual principle, you'll see me digging up into researches and white papers and anything uh, that Dr. Joe Dispenza has done or anything that Greg Braden is doing. Oh, look at this, this matches. And, you know, and then put that into some sort of a presentation, some sort of a visual data for my clients so that they can understand that it works. So it went from, I will hold space for everybody. I will save everybody Mm -hmm. to 
everyone needs to save themselves. The journey is individual. Yes. And I'm just going to provide the data. So I collected a lot of data. I have 10 years worth of research, which is still to go into a book. And from that point in the early or or late, uh, you know, well, starting 2018, really, I then began to realize that it is neither by forcing a savior complex onto somebody, nor by constantly trying to prove a point that you will help people. That the only way transformation is possible is if you yourself continue to just transform yourself. Mm-hmm. So since 2018, 2019, all I've been doing is working on myself. Working on myself, making myself the greatest case study in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, So any principle, any a new module, any new tool that comes along, I apply it to myself. And what I teach is sacred geometry, quantum experience. Yes, it started off by being called sacred geometry, quantum healing. But healing is such a small part of the entire experience. You see, Mm -hmm. with learning sacred geometry, quantum experience and explaining it to everybody and embodying it in what I do, people can automatically see how abundance comes into my life. Mm-hmm. And when they see it, that inspires them. And I'm able to, through many years of practice and, you know, working on that little muscle that is my psychic ability. Yes. Working mm-hmm. on that little muscle. All of us have it. Right. And working on that, I'm able to do some readings for people and say, hey, it looks like you're headed this way. Is that where you want to go? Not necessarily saying you must not go there, but asking simply, is that where you want to go? Because at the end of the day, you are your own guru. You are your own teacher. You are your own guide, mother, father. You, you, it's all you. Mm -hmm. All I can do is remind you of that. Mm -hmm. So as a transformation coach, I guarantee results. I love doing that. You know, I guarantee guarantee it, you know, and not not the American guarantee. It's a proper guarantee. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a, I absolutely let you know that you're going to face this avalanche of amazing energy coming your way and you're going to see how magical the world around you becomes mm-hmm. as long as you commit to show up for yourself. Yeah, I have clients who have shown up for themselves and uh, pure magic has happened where certain amounts of money was lost, that money showed up. No idea how, everybody's surprised where doctors gave one of my clients two years to live. She's now, she now, it's been five years. She's alive. Her gray hair has gone black and she's joined politics. I don't know if wow. I did a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, the transformation that you can bring into your life by simply applying the basic principles of sacred geometry, quantum healing. Yes, the basic principles. And the basic principles are really this. It's watch your words, mind your thoughts. Yes. And think before you leap, think before you act. Mm -hmm. Yes. That simple, simplified version applied to everything in your life. That's that's the work I do. Yeah. It's introducing a whole lot of self-awareness for people, right? Absolutely. You also have the vibe piece. Right, yes. mind. Yes, yes. So I work on these three factors, right? So when it really began with, and today, today you have a lot of coaches that that follow that format. But initially, when I started, you either had uh, therapists, counselors, and psychiatrists and psychotherapists who worked on your mind specifically, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of talk therapy. 
Then you had the spiritual world far removed from psychology, mm-hmm. right? which would be like, okay, do a sound healing, do a yoga, do a little bit of a shamanic breath work, but a separate part of it or theta healing would fall under it. Or you have all kinds of modules that fall under it, right? And then you had reality. You had coaches that are sports coaches, business coaches who actually organize the realistic aspects of yourself. Yes. So what I said is, what's the point of working on your mind, but you don't go dig deeper and work on limiting beliefs in your vibe, right? And you don't go in your reality, actually apply any of these changes. What's the point? So I started working on this format that is the mind, vibe and reality. In your mind, you shift your perception and attitude with each time that we have a discussion. I call it quantum contemplation. Yes. So contemplation is the same as in Buddhism, there is thought experiments. It's where as you move through life, you allow yourself to connect with your subtle energies and have have a sort of conversation with yourself about, am I heading in the right direction here? Why do I want to be feeling like this? And is this emotion true or do I want to be feeling a certain way? So you, you contemplate, right? So that's the mind side of things. On the vibe side of things, you work with your coach, with your healer, and you work on your limiting beliefs and you work on your traumas. And then you finally have the reality where you take whatever you learned in your mind and vibe and you apply it realistically in your life with tiny little goals. The tiny little goals could be something as simple as, listen, for the next 30 days, I want you to reorganize all your cupboards. (laughs) Yeah, You've you've done it. I've done it. I've done it. You got me there. I was like, I was like... (laughs) I was like, I'm already moving. Like I've decluttered everything. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the difference has shown. The difference has shown, taking you as an example, if you don't mind. Uh, when we initially started with you and the decluttering had to happen and you were already moving at that point, the next few sessions that I sat down with you, there was more clarity of mind. Mm-hmm. There was more, at the end of the day, these physical objects and digital objects in your digital mm-hmm. space. These objects are crowding your energy field. So step number one has to be to get rid of the clutter. Mm-hmm. And once that happens, there's a like a breathing space. It's exactly the same feeling when I, on a weekend when you decide I'm just going to clean the house and you clean the house and when you mm-hmm. sit down with that you know cup of tea at the end of it, you're like, look at my place. <laughs> <laughs> there's, yeah. there's this feeling of peace and calmness and then you don't want anybody to touch anything. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. Yesterday before in the morning, it was I got up pretty early and before I even meditated, I was in the fridge with a spray bottle, like fully cleaning the fridge. And I stopped myself. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I cleaned it. I cleaned it. It felt so good. I needed to do it. And then I was like, go sit down and meditate. No, but it's absolutely true. When you, yeah. when you do something like this, what you're essentially doing is you're taking responsibility for your own energy you're saying that it is not up to someone else to create space and clarity in my life it's up to me to do that Mm -hmm. now there are some people who do it through cleansing their space or clutter clearing then you might have some somebody who I know a few clients who've done this who say all I need is to get up and go for a walk so anytime they were faced with adversity or anxiety they would just go sorry, one moment, I'm just going to come back. And they would just go take a quick run around the building and then come back. And that would clear their mind or just a quick walk. You see, the negative way of doing it is to smoke a cigarette. (laughs) That's right. 
But that too, the intention there is to shut down the brain brain for a yeah. moment. Yeah, right. Kind of center. And you can do that with a walk. You can do that by clearing something out. You can do that by uh, playing a song. You can do that by doing a quick meditation and saying a few affirmations. There are so yes. many ways to plug back into your authentic energy so that the next step you take is the step that really needs to be taken rather than something that's happening well that happened I'm just going to go ahead with the next step you see what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so there's awareness there's self-governance there's self-discipline discipline Discipline, yeah there's self-belief there's self-love there's self-care it's all towards the self Mm -hmm. and once you organize the self your vibration and when you organize your thoughts your words your beliefs your intentions Everything that you are produces vibration. You are pure energy. Yes. So this vibration that is produced is so symmetrical, so beautiful. It creates a harmonic resonance and actually starts to reorganize everything around you. And when it reorganizes everything around you, everything that was earlier negative or unfavorable suddenly becomes favorable and magically so. And then the same vibration that you are projecting into the universe creates something called a harmonic resonance. And pulls towards you the frequency at which you are vibrating. Mm-hmm. So if you vibrate at the frequency of joy and laughter, invariably you will see a friend calls you up, an old friend calls you up, or you end up meeting somebody with whom you end up having a laugh of it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so clear It's not something that you need to get initiated for. And I know that we come from that world. We are coming from the world where starting from Reiki, which is the Usui system of healing, the Japanese system of healing, starting from Reiki all the way to the bigger theta healing, Psyche, all of these. I understand that there is this culture of initiation that we like to do, isn't it? where we light incense and we ritualize the entire thing. While I'm very happy to be doing that, and I do practice it as well because it makes you feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, the smell of incense, the smell of Palo Santo, it's, it's very nice to have that, right? Beautiful. It's so lovely. Yeah. Beautiful. But I promise you the only tool that you need is not, and whether it is crystals, incense, what else? Musical instruments. All kinds of things, right? All kinds of wands. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. In wands, grids, all of these talismans, all kinds of talismans, you know, the bracelets you wear, the necklace you wear. I'm very happy for everybody to be doing that. It's great. It makes us all look fantastic. And it also creates a sense of culture, you know, Mm -hmm. when you see somebody else wearing a crystal necklace, you're just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, my boy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that connection. But I promise you, after 17 years of doing this work, I can tell you that the only tool you need and the most powerful tool you do have is your heart. Mm -hmm. The question about that then is uh, this idea that you spoke to about harmonic resonance and we can get tuned into each other's resonance, nature, joy, these emotions that we can elicit from ourselves. Is it then, can you just maybe speak to like this? base root of maybe the subconscious mind and its power because why then can we not just sit in front of the enlightened master the teacher the sage the guru whatever and just have that change be instantaneous because of that resonance versus what's really running the show and why does it take so much 
courage mm-hmm. and subconscious reprogramming and the beliefs and all this stuff. Absolutely. So this goes into the story of you, okay? There's this idea that when a new baby is born, that baby is a fresh canvas. You know, it's a clean canvas. That is the greatest lie in the whole world. That baby is not a clean canvas. That baby is the product of inheritance of thousands of years of genetic information. Mm -hmm. That baby is born holding all of the genetic traumas and genetic blessings of his or her ancestors. Isn't this true? Mm -hmm. So maybe not unlocked yet, maybe not uh, invoked yet, but it's there. It's in the DNA. It's it's a sleeping dragon in the DNA. Yes, (laughs) That's, that's just the genetic part of it. Then there's the historic part of it. The lands, not land, but the lands from which the baby comes. Today, we don't have people who come from one part of the land. We have people whose ancestry goes across Europe and goes across Asia, isn't it? So you have historic codes that are locked into that baby, right? Mm -hmm. Now, genetic codes, we talked about limiting beliefs or the traumas that our ancestors had. If there was an ancestor who went to war and lost their family in that war, the sadness of that loss is still within uh, within the DNA, isn't it? In the historic level, you're talking about the land that you came from. Was it a land that had a lot of calamities? Was it an abundant land? Did the people who lived on that historic land feel a sense of belonging or were they always in a space of battle? That's also coded into you, right? That's two things. Then comes the soul level. Now, we all understand now that we are pure energy today. Uh, you know, there was a time about 17 years ago where I had to struggle to explain to people that what it means that we are pure energy. Science has now proven that at a quantum level, we are empty space, that we are pure vibration and frequency, right? So as vibration and frequency, since energy cannot be destroyed, it can only be transferred or transmuted. That means at some point, you were a mango on a tree. At some point, you were a little uh, lion cub somewhere in the Sahara. Somewhere along the line, you were also a beautiful baleen whale in the ocean. Somewhere along the line, you must have been an asteroid somewhere. Somewhere along the line, you must have been part of another planet. Billions of years of soul information is also coded into this brand new, fresh out of the mother's womb baby, isn't it? Now, here's everything that you're born with, all of these limitations. Then you begin to grow up age zero till you're seven, then seven to 14. It's always, you know, the the loop of sevens. And you begin to have core beliefs. Core beliefs are the things that you gather within this life. Oh, my mom and dad are always helping other people. Right. So it's it's nice to be kind, right? You tend to learn these things. Hmm. That guy, he's always angry. But because he's angry, he always gets what he wants. Hmm. Maybe I should be angry. You tend to, as a, as a little child, you're constantly recording mm-hmm. everything in your environment. Mm-hmm. You see? It's very monkey see, monkey do. So here's now a child and or or, or a human being who is reached the age of 28. Okay. And at 28, usually, by the way, all of my clients are come to me between the age of 28 and 32. That's the, I call it the, it's not a very nice thing to call it, but I call it the what the fuck moment of your life. You know, it's the WTF moment of your life where they go, what have I been doing? <laughs> 
you know, and it's, it's amazing. It's on point always. It's, I love it because when they come to me, they're just like, I thought I had it sorted, but I feel like I'm nowhere now. <laughs> so at this point, when they come to me and I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier, where I'm merely working on my vibrations and my energy, creating and holding space for people so that they can be in that space and begin to understand the principles through me projecting it towards them. But as I'm projecting abundance towards you, joy towards you, and I am, I'm a chronically positive person. It's it's a problem sometimes. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I'm just so happy. <laughs> There's somebody sitting in front of me with billions of years of information that is historic, soul level, genetic of which one of them might be, I am never allowed to be joyful. Could be somebody, an ancestor who took an oath, or who took a vow mm. and said, happiness is not part of who we are as a land that has had war all the time. Mm -hmm. I can sit here, be the greatest guru in the whole world and project so much love into that person. But if that person does not have that will within them to change, if they choose, I always say this, right? You are the product of your inheritance. The product of your inheritance is all of these codes that you've downloaded. But what we tend to forget is that we are also the master of our destiny. So the daily decision, and this goes back to what you said as humans, the human experience of on a daily basis, the daily experience is to choose between being the product of your inheritance or the master of your destiny. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, when you are sitting in that room of positive people who are spreading abundance and singing and feeling joyful. You are a product of your inheritance where you say, but just joyfulness doesn't suit me. Joyfulness is not who I am. Abundance, maybe abundance is meant for others. Mm -hmm. But to remember, that's where the principles come in, where the information comes in, where the data that I collect, then the research that I collect for people come in and I say, but you have willpower. Mm -hmm. You have this wonderful thing called will, and you can will your way into anything and become the master of your destiny, right? Yeah. That's where it comes down. And going back to what you had asked specifically, why can't we just sit in front of a temple or a guru or a, you know, and there are some fantastic gurus who, amazing people who I can sit in front of. And I just, I just feel like I've melted and become part of them. They are just so joyful in the way that they speak that suddenly I feel healed merely by being in their presence, you see? But you did ask, why does it feel like a struggle, right? Why does it have to be it's like, oh my God, I've got to get up again and do my meditation, <laughs> do my things, right? I'd like to give the answer to this in a very, very simple way, right? If you went to the gym in January for one month, and then didn't go to the gym. <laughs> By November, can you expect a hot beach body? Absolutely not. No. Everything is a matter of consistency. Everything is a matter of light and dark, life and death, truth and untruth, mm -hmm. right? Everything is that ebb and flow of energy. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate problem is that it's not necessarily a problem. I believe during those eras and ages of our existence in the human civilization, these things were required. But religion came in and said, 
laziness and you know the seven sins they are all bad gluttony is bad doubt is bad pride is bad you know that's evil that's satan right mm-hmm. and we gave all negative emotions a bad reputation so the slightest inconvenience and we're just like oh my god my life mm-hmm. i can't handle this anymore because that inconvenience basically takes over our entire system again but if you were to go back into the information the universal laws that tell us about polarity about cause and effect about the ebb and flow of the universe you will realize that these negative emotions these negative moments and situations in our life they are oh my goodness they are our best friends mhm so you'll see me when something really bad happens in my life i go oh something great is coming i'm crying <laughs> i'm crying i am i am shattered yeah. you know i'm upset but i'm yeah. just like i know something great is coming some big bloody lesson is coming out of this mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. if you so, have that attitude it changes everything yeah that's so good and poignant and oh i love that you just explained that like that thank you so okay just on that polarity point how do you really interpret i feel like there is such a dialogue right now around less so about the self and the emotions of of like dealing with jealousy and and greed and whatever like those natural human emotions that are going to come up and that we can learn so much through but i think people right now are in this conversation about good and evil on the planet and these forces and it's so clear some of them are far out conspiracies some of them are plain as daylight and so what do you think about it how do you how do you make sense of that does your podcast have one of those bells that goes unpopular opinion <laughs> <laughs> no but i think we might need to get one this doesn't this doesn't go down well with the uh, most spaces but i'm always torn at this question you see you are yes it's uh, like same i've been talking like yes anyways yeah i'm 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 torn at this question because the answer is so obvious but it immediately draws even the most spiritual pe- person i know into cognitive dissonance mm. you see this construct of evil and good in the world the republican and democrat mm-hmm. the white and the black or in in whatever whatever metaphorical form you want to take it or this religion and that religion or uh, this political belief and that political belief right all of these are merely the game because it is only by creating duality that we can work towards oneness unity comes when there is duality duality is merely the game Mm-hmm. duality so like, is there it's like creating the enemy so that you can so you uh, can learn from it so that you can, yeah. you, can um, you know transmute it mm-hmm. you see anything negative that is happening in the world including the deaths of our brothers and sisters including calamities that countries are going to take hundreds of years to come back from right all of those are created by the consciousness that is earth remember that you and me are also the earth we are not mm-hmm. separate must not ever give ourselves that much importance right <laughs> just the earth experiencing itself and learning from itself 
So when you have something so catastrophic, like a bombing happening somewhere or deaths of innocent people happening somewhere, that duality, that, that negativity, that evilness is a construct that has occurred so that everyone else can join together and learn to unite. One of the greatest examples of that unity, as much as people love to only talk about the conspiracies of the coronavirus, yes, mm-hmm. I remember when the lo- first lockdown was announced. And I tell you, I don't know how, but maybe from all of the work that I've done over the years, my eyes now have has begun to land on the positive first. Okay, so sue me. <laughs> so, <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as the pandemic hit and the lockdown happened, the entire governments of the world, even the ones that were enemies with each other, came together, brought all their researchers together, worked on a solution together, the solution that they thought mm. was best. I mean, yeah. we're all amateurs, yeah. <laughs> you know, even the Titanic was built by amateurs, you know. Right. We did what we could, you know, but there were no borders mm-hmm. in those first six months. Every government through the WHO, was sharing information, the best that they could find and say, we think this works, we think this works, we think maybe you should do this. There were doctors and researchers from China being shipped out to the different countries because China had faced it head on first. You see, who created the pandemic? Now, set aside the, set aside the conspiracy theories of it being, uh, you know, created in yeah, a lab. Yeah. And let's go with it. Let's let's go with it being created in a lab to bring down humanity. The person who did it is also part of Earth. Mm-hmm. The person is not separate from Earth. So it's the consciousness that is Mother Gaia, you know, puts this little seed in someone's mind that says, okay, create this virus. And then that spreads and then creates, uh, you know, this complete pandemic that creates absolute chaos. But within that chaos comes out order in the form of every country helping each other. Somewhere along the line, we began realizing truths like spending time with family is a good thing. We don't need to be working eight to nine hours per day. Right? Mm -hmm. Things don't have to be so expensive and political. Haven't we realized all of these things recently? Mm No one ever wants to see those changes. But this duality that you're talking about, this good and evil, that is... Now, I, I kind of go to a story told in the Hindu Vedas, right? The uh, old texts. Paramahamsa is the almighty, the uh, supreme consciousness. Paramahamsa turns to man and says, Hey, ye mortal, why do you take so seriously that which I made for fun? Life is like a game of chess. And I don't want you to get lost in the pawns. Don't get lost in the pieces. Just flow through the game. Mm -hmm. But all of us are so busy getting lost in the pieces. You see? Mm -hmm. So the illusion that has been created, this holographic illusion of the beautiful home that you're sitting in, of the space that I'm sitting in, this is all a beautiful holographic illusion created by the vibration and frequency that you and me are, the collective consciousness of the human experience. We have created this reality for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But when or oh, when are we going to realize that this duality that we create, that you are sitting in a separate space from me, 
When are we going to realize that that duality is merely a construct to help us learn? But in actuality, we are all just one. So when a tree burns down in a forest in Turkey, part of me burns down too. You see? Mm -hmm. When a new baby is born somewhere in Japan, I'm born anew. That is the world I live in. So recently, when that massive earthquake happened in Turkey, I remember I, of course, as always, we all send money. We do what we can in 3D reality. yeah. But I sat down, went into the quantum space where all of us are one, connected to the 40 to 60,000 souls that perished in that earthquake. And we all held hands. And I said to all of them, it's safe. It's okay. You're, all your family is fine. You're safe. You're fine. You are loved. Your daughters are fine. Your sons are fine. Your parents are fine. Your brothers and sisters are fine. Go on. Because I don't see a difference between me and them. Mm -hmm. 40 to 60,000 people died within me as that happened. And when you begin to live like that, it's fascinating. That duality of good and evil, when we get lost in it, you'll notice conspiracy theories start to arise. You're constantly living in fear. You think the government's out to get you. Everything feels like an affront, mm -hmm. right? But when you realize and when you kind of pick yourself up from that place, go a little higher and look at it from a bird's eye view and you see the yin and the yang, the duality just kind of playing its game mm -hmm. and you're just standing above it going, Okay. Mm -hmm. Not to say that we must not participate in uh, what we believe in. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah, because because yeah. that's a kind of like the realm of apathy, right? Absolutely. Thin line. Mm -hmm. Thin line. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a very famous line. Now I forget who it is by. A famous line that says, you are complicit with the people who are bringing down the world if you don't have an opinion. Mm -hmm. So by not supporting one side or the mm -hmm. other side, you're actually supporting the bad side. This is mm -hmm. this is kind of a saying. I think it is, I think it's a Spanish saying, if I'm not mistaken. And it's really interesting because that is also the Christian guilt that is fed into us. Like you have to take a side, you mm -hmm. see. And there's an activist who gets in, uh, organizes protests, goes out for the protest, sometimes uh, you know, gets what she wants, sometimes doesn't get what she wants. But there is a drive within that person. There is a drive within that person that they want to affect change in their 3D environment. I congratulate them on that. I say, hey, go for it. Good for you. Mm -hmm. There's another person who is a 75-year-old woman living in a village somewhere in the south of India. She lives by the beach. There are all these coconut trees around her house. She lives happily in that space. She has no idea who the Prime Minister of India is. She has no clue. She doesn't care. Because all she wants to do is feed her community and help uh, clean the temple once in a while. You know, and she loves to dance. She's 75 years old, but she loves to dance. I actually know a woman like this. This is why I'm saying this story. You sit down and ask her, what do you think about the pandemic? And what do you think about the governmental issues and the currencies that are now moving away from the dollar? And she'd be like, I have coconuts <laughs> and I have some plants growing in my garden yeah. and uh, I'm happy. 
and the ocean is so beautiful. The fishermen come out of the ocean and usually end up giving me some fish because I give them, she makes juices for them, you know, because they've just come out of the ocean. So she gives them some uh, refreshments and they give her fish. So she eats fish. She eats vegetables from her garden. She's got clean water coming out of a well. How is she complicit with the bad guys? Yeah. So the unpopular opinion, that which we call good and evil are merely constructs of duality that are trying to help us reach higher states of ascension. It is up to us to understand that these are merely lessons, that these are constructs with which we can learn to move from duality to unity. Mm-hmm. Yes. But do we need to have an opinion on the duality? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Somewhere deep yes. inside, feel like you want to, by all means, go for it. But you don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. See, my, my, my company is called The Sacred Being. I always say this, you know, I say it's, it's called The Sacred Being. It's not called The Sacred Doing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all that the universe expects of you is just to be. Mm-hmm. Be the most authentic self that you are. And if that means that you want to be an extremist, maybe that's your calling. Maybe you want to be like Tonya and Sheetal and be chronically positive all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's your calling, you know. So don't necessarily have to get lost in the duality because mm-hmm. at the end, we're all just one. Yeah. When you when you said that, it also kind of made me think about this polarity. The constructs, I guess, exist in each of us. And for those people who we may find easy to judge because mm-hmm. it's so far beyond our scope of imagination or possibility for what we've come here incarnated here to do. But for them, based on their history, their genetic codes, their learnings, their beliefs, their sub- everything, yeah. that there might not even be a, a right or wrong for them. That's just what they know. That's just That's what is. Point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I always say to people, the belief that you have and allow me to give a rather extreme uh, example for this forgive me guys love it um, <laughs> <laughs> so tanya comes up to me and goes sheetal i'm so angry at this person i think i'm going to kill them and i go what do you think i'm going to say i'm going to say tanya my baby do you really have to kill them you know you're going to go to jail and then it's you i don't think orange suits you very well and then you <laughs> These are things I'm going to tell you because I'm in 3D with you. I'm going to go, yeah. really? You killed this person? And then you say, no, but I just, I know that the only way is to kill this person. And then I'm going to say, what about your family? What about your you know, husband? What about your, what about all of these different things? What about this beautiful company called Rainbow that you have opened and you are, you know, healing the world with the energy of that brand, right? And, and you kind of give it a thought and you go, no, I need to kill this person. <laughs> And, and and you're it's in your eyes in that mm-hmm. moment. And I say to you, you know what? Done. Just wait 24 hours. I want you to think about it for 24 hours. Come back. And if you want to do something, we'll do something. You come back in 24 hours and you have an even bigger resolve that you want to kill this person. At that point, I'm going to say, all right, babe, go for it. Because sometimes all the permutation combination of the different beliefs 
the different beliefs, the different traumas, the different opinions, the different data information that we have coded within our DNA, the combination, permutation combination of all of those calculations end up in that one strong result. And we have no idea why we're there, but here mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. No idea why we're there, but no here idea. we are. You see? Mm-hmm. And so that, again, goes back to what I said about being the product of your inheritance or being the master of your destiny, of reaching that point where you take the gun and you hold it against that person's head. And in that moment, Tonya goes, nope, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lower myself and destroy my life. You see, that's when you become the master of your destiny. Every moment in our life, we have the power within us to change the trajectory of our existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got shivers. Single moment. And it can be it can be so small, right? Like it's not killing, it's just every every decision, every moment. Every decision, every moment. Starting with something as simple as and I and I and this is this is a little pet peeve that I have. I don't like gossiping. I just feel like it's such a waste of time. You know, same. But although I understand that gossiping can be quite harmless, essentially. Because it's it's such a fun social thing to do. Do you know what Tanya was wearing for that event that we went to? <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like people do that. They do, and it's and, and and I guess in a way it's harmless. In a way it's, but I tell you from based on the principles, the laws of the universe, it is harmful for you. Mm-hmm. Lowers your vibration for sure. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Whenever somebody begins to talk about somebody who's not in the room, you'll immediately see me go, not doing that. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, what I'm doing is I'm not just changing the trajectory of my own existence, but that of my friends as well. Mm -hmm. I'm saying to them, hey, maybe we can talk about, I don't know, the 1,850 new species that have been discovered this year. You know, maybe we can talk about how, you know, things are getting better in the world. You know, the weather is so nice. We can talk about all of these things. But in that moment, each moment when you do this, and, and this can make you, uh, how do you have, what do we call this? Uh, a warning to everybody who wants to practice, uh, you know, being perpetually positive, right? Mm, yes. That, is that perpetually positive does not mean that you never work on the negative. Everything that you feel negatively, everything that you feel in an, from an emotional state, state of negativity or negative situations, yes, you must deal with it, but you deal with it in an environment that is conducive to dealing with negativity. And that's usually in front of your coach. Mm-hmm. So if you're pissed off at somebody and it's really been bugging you, the place to work on that is not out in the public, in open, with other people gossiping about it. No, the place to work on it is with your guru, coach, healer, whoever your point of healing is. Mm-hmm. Or through your practice of quantum contemplation, if you're somebody who advanced in this path. You see, that's one side of it. So the negative part of it is that. But other than having to deal with it and transmute it, to dig deep and transmute that trauma or that negativity into the lesson that it is bringing, all other times, I believe our mandate is to spread joy. Mm-hmm. It's to create opportunities for everybody to, I don't know, smile and be better versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's all I want. 
whenever, and then believe me, me especially, and I know, Tonya, you resonate with this as well. As people who are, uh, you know, perpetually positive, who like to see the positive side of things, because we are so heightened in our effort to stay positive, the negatives are quite chaotic. They're quite intense. And they're quite Lord of the Rings drama level stuff. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. elves fighting the uh, orcs and, you know, all of these yeah. things. It's Nighttime, like, battle. monsters for me. Monsters, you know? And, and we go deep in and we dig. And all I do and all people like us do, healers like us do, is that we hold space for you and give you tools to be able to navigate through that negativity. Mm -hmm. to not end up in the same hole as blaming someone else, but to realize that everything that is around in our world is a direct projection of what we're feeling on the inside. And mm -hmm. as long as people are willing to do the work, I initially have clients who come in the first five sessions. This is like, how is it possible that the fact that my husband is a horrible person is my fault? And I say, because at some level, at some genetic or historic or at some level you have a limiting belief that led to you attracting this type of a person into your life because you need to transmute this trauma into something better it takes a lot of time for people to swallow that because we live in a world where we're used to the blame culture mm -hmm. the blame game mm -hmm. the reason that the streets of my community are dirty is because the government has not cleaned it yeah Right. The reason my salary is not good is because my company does not appreciate me. And I know that as I'm saying this, people who are going to hear this are going to feel triggered. Mm -hmm. Because how could it possibly be my, my fault that my company is not giving me money? Mm -hmm. But keep this as a simple but straight example. It's usually because you are not doing what needs to be done to be visible, to break out of your comfort zone and do more. And to demand what you deserve. Mm -hmm. Because somewhere you have a limiting belief that you're not good enough. And that, that. So it takes that time to kind of shift from a space where you live from outside in. Yeah. To move into that beautiful space where you live inside out. Because as long as I work on myself, Baba Ramdas talks about this. He has this one very famous quote that says, all I can do for you is work on myself. And all you can do for me is work on yourself. Mm -hmm. and that's what it's about. Yeah. Listen to you all day, Sheetal. Uh -huh. so, it's so profound and, and beautiful. I've had shivers just almost this whole time that you've been talking. I did want to, you know, have a chat with you about shame and guilt. Sure. Yeah, just we spent a lot of time on that in when we first started to work together. And I found it so interesting because I know those words, but I really hadn't explored them before, like for me and really unpacked their meaning and just like the relationship I had with them. So why do we start there? Why do you start there? What is it's, so base about that? Those like, you know, energy. So centers? all of these, all of these negative constructs that belong to the same 
the second side of the same coin, isn't it? So you have the structure of negative emotions that spirals downwards, and you have positive emotions that spiral upwards. Yes, the positive emotions that spiral upwards move you into higher vibration, moves you into a space where your geometry, the vibration that you produce has a certain sacred geometry, that geometry is symmetrical. And the negative vibrations, the negative emotions, they break apart the geometry, right? The age-old belief, starting from religion, but further back as well, is that these negative emotions are evil. They're bad. You should never feel these things. If you ever feel these, that means you're a horrible person. Sinner. Yeah. Yeah. Sinner, you know. But if you feel positive emotions, that it is literally called Christ consciousness right? Christ consciousness is all of love and light and gratitude and forgiveness, kindness, honesty, and creativity and joy and all of these beautiful emotions. But evil or sin is the seven sins, uh, pride, jealousy, guilt, shame, resentment. And, And the further down it goes, the deeper, the lower the vibration, and the more you get disconnected from the geometry of the oneness. Okay. So, when we talk about guilt and shame, what's really interesting is that, and and these, what I talked about in terms of the positive vibrations and the negative vibrations, they are two sides of the same coin. So anybody who ever feels jealousy, for example, okay, the reason you feel jealous is because you're unfulfilled in some part of your life. So what is the other side of that coin when you move, when you catapult from jealousy to the positive uh, vibrations? It's fulfillment. So as soon as you feel jealous, the question is, what is this trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. It's trying to teach you to find fulfillment in your life. Yes. Now we go to guilt and shame. When you begin to experience guilt and shame in your life, now this could be connected to uh, abuses that you have been through. It could be just connected to, and you know, you know what's bizarre, guilt and shame is so ingrained into our culture. That it's even if you've never been through any abuse and you've had the most safest childhood, guilt and shame is a standard in all of us. And I'll tell you why. The pelvic bone, the Latin for pelvic bone, and also the German word for pelvic bone is shambin. My pronunciations are horrible. It literally means shame bone. Wow. So when medicine was written, they named the pelvic bone, the shame bone. That's thousands of years of collective consciousness belief that this is the bone of shame. Mm -hmm. So you could have the nicest life ever, but there's still going to be some sense of shame that goes into that space. Mm -hmm. You see? However, now come back to that structure where you have negative spiral downwards and positive spiral upwards. When you are experiencing guilt and shame, if you ask the question, what is this trying to teach me? It's trying to teach me self-worth, isn't it? It's trying to teach you self-worth. It's trying to teach you self-love. It's trying to invoke within you. And this goes back to the conversation we just had about the duality in the world, the good and the evil, right? Again, here, the evil, in quotes, right, is the guilt and shame. The good is the sense of self-worth and self-love. One is merely there to teach you the other. Therefore, the one that is the guilt and shame are not enemies. Sure, they may come through 
the fact that our pelvic bone is named shambhine, right, <laughs> or shame bone, it may come through the fact that we've experienced sexual abuse, emotional abuse, any kind of abuse. It may come through a lot of, uh, we store a lot of grief in our wombs. As women, we store grief mm-hmm. in our wombs, right? Even men. It may come from a lot of grief that we're carrying around. It could be any number of these things. But at the end of the day, that disconnecting vibration of guilt and shame is there as a beautiful messenger telling us, hello, it's time for you to immerse yourself and remember your worth and to remember that you are the child of the universe, that you are the most favored child of the universe. But without ever experiencing darkness, nobody would appreciate the light. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way we're, uh, we're made. That duality, that duality is part of the oneness. So guilt and shame in that essence is a beautiful messenger that's coming along and uh, torturing us for a few weeks to teach us our worth, to help us remember our self-worth, to help us remember to immerse ourselves in Mm self-love, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And in any form at all. And, and, and this goes guilt and shame. It also goes into instability, resentment, any negative emotion that you are feeling or experiencing or a situation that happens that pushes you into any of these negative emotions. The number one question to ask is, aha, here it is. What is this trying to teach me? If this is the negative, what is the other side of the coin? Yeah. You see? And although all of the other negative emotions uh, get you to a pretty strong place I have noticed amongst well mainly amongst women I'd like to say because we you know also come with a lot of uh, years and years of uh, being uh, served guilt and shame uh, as a side to every dish we've ever eaten (laughs) oh yeah it's a thing that we all as women experience right so I have noticed that when women work on transmuting their guilt and shame into self-worth, into recognizing self-worth, I've noticed that there is a higher level of transformation that happens to them, mm-hmm. right? It's breaking free from one of the most limiting constructs that yeah. you know, keep you in a space of not exploring and not realizing who you really yeah. are. Yeah. Guilt and shame are... Uh, unpopular friends yeah so juicy though for me yeah yeah it's the friends you always have to invite to the party because they bring the best (laughs) yes okay one other topic I want to touch on because I I do I mean it was so poignant for me in our last session we were trying to balance my doing and my being right because I'm doing a lot in this in this pocket of my life And I was hoping you could just touch on that a little bit because I I think whether it's a woman or a man or whoever, there is, of course, a need to show up in our 3D worlds and do and go to like, you know, it's it's part of the culture. People work out, you're exerting yourself. Part of the game. It's part part of of the the game. game. It's, it's, It's playing it. It's all about playing that game, isn't it? Now, 
If you look at the difference of doing and being, right, and we look at it from an energetic point of view, like I said earlier, we are pure energy. We're constantly projecting vibrations from our heart, from our brain waves. Our thoughts are producing brain waves. Our heart is producing like a like a Wi-Fi signal into the universe and pulling in, you know, the harmonic resonance of exactly what we're thinking. The biggest thing I would say while stepping into this journey of living in alignment with your subtle energies, your subtle energies are your, in Kundalini, it's called the 10 bodies. In uh, sacred geometry, quantum experience, it's merely your energy field, right? To live in alignment with that energy field and kind of have connection with past, present, future, to always be in a contemplative state, right? As you step into this journey, the biggest thing to remember and uh, it's so simple that I find it very profound sometimes, right? Is this line, write it down, stick it up on your fridge, right? I am doing this because I want to, not because I have to. Because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to do anything. We are, after all, just a transient consciousness that's just existing in this blip of a moment in uh, you know, in the timeline of the universe. Mm -hmm. Let us not give ourselves so much self-importance that we believe that we are the ones that are going to change the universe with our actions, right? Chase your happiness. Chase what you want to chase. Maybe some of some of you like to chase uh, sadness. That's up to you. I always say I don't I don't stop anybody. Chase what you want. But do it because you want to, not because you have to. Mm -hmm. If you take the example of a person working on Wall Street and they have this, you know, structured job and they they have this uh, vision to make millions and they want to buy a big house somewhere in the Hamptons. And, you know, this is this is their plan. He doesn't have to do it. Mm -hmm. He might as well just let go and uh, move to Cali, become a become a, you know, nice uh, hippie. And we all get fed, by the way. We'll all get fed. We'll all get shelter. We all have everything. We are abundant in our life. But do it because you want to. I like the excitement of being on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. I love the idea of pushing myself to get that big home somewhere that I wanted. You see, suddenly when you look at it from that perspective of, you know, understanding the doing and being, right? Mostly all you're doing is being happy in what you do. Because when you want to do something, you're always passionate about it. Mm -hmm. You see, when you don't want to do something, you're just like, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> But when you want to do something, when you say, oh, Tanya, I would love to, I want to do this with you, right? Suddenly we're excited. Our creativity bubbles open up, right? The doors of creativity open up. We are more compassionate with each other. We share knowledge. But if I did it because I have to do it, mm -hmm. and I take this podcast as an example. Oh, but I have oh, you, to. Oh, you had to. I have, <laughs> I, have to, I have to do this podcast, you know, I have to do this podcast because it has to do with X, Y, and Z, some kind of ego constructs. Either it's, um, why do we do podcasts? We do podcasts for exposure, right? So we say, oh, it's uh, it's very, I have to do it because it's for exposure. And, uh, you know, Tonya and me have a relationship and I have to maintain it. I start to suddenly make our relationship seem very um, restricted. But when I want to do this podcast, suddenly I'm in love with you. <laughs> suddenly a conversation with you is, yeah. is a breath of fresh air. Suddenly I'm not, I'm not trying too hard. Mm -hmm. And somehow when I don't try too hard, abundance just flows my way. Mm -hmm. 
And this is what I'm teaching every single, in every single workshop, in every single event that I do, all of the private coaching that I do, when clients come and sit down in front of me and say, oh, I have to do this and I have to get the house and I have to do this and I have to send my children here. And I say, no, you don't have to. Open the door, send your kids out. (laughs) Please don't do that, right? (laughs) You don't have to do anything because when it gets into the, I must, Mm -hmm. it suddenly puts restrictions on you. Mm-hmm. right but when you want to do it you suddenly feel like waking up in the morning you want to be part of these things you want to add as much love and compassion into it as possible I have one client who is a VP of something in a big pharma company in the US yeah when she first came to me she was fully in her masculine extremely successful and quite a powerful woman, right? But what was lacking was flow. Mm-hmm. Today, she's worked with me for about a year now. Today, she is this absolute balance between masculine and feminine. And when she arrives at a space in this company where troubleshooting needs to be done, where back in the days she used to panic when something bad used to happen, today she approaches it with what I call compassionate leadership, Right? with compassionate communication, with conscious leadership. But when she approaches it, everybody that works around her, after she calmly and soothingly offers the solution, every person around her, she tells me every month, she says, I just received another email from another one of my colleagues saying the way you handled it was so nice. I feel so comfortable around you. You are are the safety of our company. Not because she projects this through her words, but just through her actions. Mm. She goes to work because she wants to, not because she has to, right? So if I had to bring it, boil it down to that one statement, it is I'm doing it because I want to, not because I have to. And suddenly that want leads to all of the high vibrational emotions and suddenly life becomes smooth. And yes, we do get lost in, uh, Antonia, I, I take your example at this point, right? We do get lost in, Pockets of our life, like you said, where we need to do more, you know, more content and more uh, networking and bigger decisions and expansion and all of these things for the company that we work in or a new house we want to take. I understand, right? The important thing there is as you are huddling through these things, as you are like rushing through these things, take pause and remind yourself, "Uh -uh uh-uh, I'm doing this because I want to, not because I have to. Mm -hmm. Because when you do it because you have to, suddenly things start going wrong. Limitations start happening. Things don't go right. Papers don't get signed. Somebody forgets a document. But when you do this because you want to and you approach it with love and compassion, everything just seems to unfold on its own. You see? Yeah. So, yeah. Doing versus being. Do it because you want to, not because you have to. I love that. I love that so much. Well, I feel that there's so much more we could dive into and uh, we'll save it for another time. I'm chatting with you. So grateful to be able to to work with you, but uh, yeah, I'll be chatting with you in a few weeks. But to wrap things up, I always ask everybody to share a prayer, a wish, an intention, a download, something with our audience. What would you like to leave us with? Oh, lovely. Oh, this is a good one. I think simplicity is the key. I think 
It's an old Hindu mantra and it's powerful. It's not necessarily a prayer. It's a, it's a proper chant, hmm. an affirmation, believe it or not. So, Om Asatoma Satgamaya Tamasoma Jyotirgamaya Mrityoma Amritam Gamaya Om Shanti 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 The prayer says, Om, as in Almighty Abundant Universal Matrix, A-U-M. Please carry me from untruth to truth, from dark to light, from death to life. Om, O Abundant Universal Matrix, peace, 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 peace. peace. Thank you so much. When I hear that chant, I just, it's just so you. I, I hear it every, <laughs> every call and I chant it now too. Yeah. Thank it's you a so very much. Powerful. That's a simple thing, isn't it? Just, uh, hey, carry me from, uh, you know, untruth to truth. <laughs> it's almost as though I'm, I'm calling out my own bullshit. Yeah. You know, it's like, am I really saying the truth to myself? You know? <laughs> Carry me from dark to light, carry me from death to life. That's it, mm-hmm. you know? And the uh, I, I coined this term to help people understand that we're part of a part of a oneness. So AUM, which is Aum, right? I translated that into abundant universal matrix, mm-hmm. right? And abundant universal matrix is that oneness. Mm-hmm. So you're speaking to that universal, the one matrix, yeah. and saying, hey, help me out because you are me and I am you, you know? Mm-hmm. So it works out. Thank you, Tanya. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shiro. That was a, a wisdom. <laughs> like, <laughs> Power-packed wisdom. Power-packed wisdom. Thank you so much. Love you. Love you. With deep gratitude, thanks for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, hit subscribe and leave us a review. That is always very appreciated. Mushrooms transformed my mind and body. And if you're interested in bringing medicinal mushrooms into your life and health journey, check out rainbow.com for our meticulously sourced Canadian fruiting body mushroom tinctures. Until next time, peace in and peace out, friends.